0: Today I'll be reading from Galatians chapter five, verses 16 through 25. But I say, walk by the spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thanks be to God. You may be seated. I'm going to start with a question. And the question is this today. On a scale of 1 to 10, I want you to tell me how much do you think you've changed in the last 10 years? Okay, all right, get that number in your head. Now, I want you to ask yourself a second question. On the same scale of one to 10, how much will you change in the 10 years to come? Hmm, oh, oh. Statistically, here's what we do. We are way more inclined to give a really high number for the first question than the second. Because we can look back, right? And we can easily see, oh, 2009, man, it was a different day back then. I've changed a lot, right? But it's harder for us to look into the future and say, I'm going to change. Most of us don't plan enough for change in the future. But here's what research also tells us. It tells us that change is fundamental to a living to living a fulfilling life change is fundamental to living a fulfilling life now if you've been awake the past week the current flash in the pan on social media is the face app anybody yes okay and the face app allows you to um, kind of take a selfie, and then determine what you will look like in who knows what, 10, 15, 20, 25 years, whatever. And uh, then, so there have been people all over the internet posting uh, pictures of what they're gonna look like in 20 or 25 years. So we thought, ah, let's have some fun, right? The lesson is, you're, you're gonna change more than you think. And uh, I think these pictures will prove it. So we, we took a picture of Kurt Toll yesterday. And we ran him through the Face app and he turned out like this. And he said, man, that looks like my dad. Yes, yeah, he said, that's exactly what my dad looked like. Um, how about your drummer today, Tony? We put him through the Face app and here you go. Uh, I don't think the arthritis has set in yet so he can still drum, that's, that's a good thing. Here is your children's guy, Paul, and the after, now... <laughs> I will tell you, that's not 20 years from now, that's after this VBS week, okay? That's that's what's gonna happen. Uh, And here I am, wait a minute, Um, you for sure want to know what I'm going to look like in 20 years, and it is... Thank you very much, yes! I'm going to be so handsome, it's just gonna be awesome. No, you probably really want to know what I look like. So what have they won? They've won a mall Santa Claus. That's what you've won. Um, I played around a little more, and I thought a toupee and a tattoo would be cool to, to add onto to the, the mall Santa Claus. The, the point is, what if, what if we could dictate our change? What if we knew the way that we were going to change? Um, wouldn't we all pick the George Clooney picture or something like that that's appropriate? If you could manage the way you're going to look in 20 years from now, you would choose to look the best possible, right? What if I told you that spiritually speaking, it's absolutely possible for us all to change into the glamorous heartthrob celebrity type, spiritually speaking? As we've looked at our VBS series, um, we've studied all of the days that the kids are going to study this week, and we've looked at the story of Abraham, and it pointed us forward to the son of promise, Jesus. We've looked at Josiah, who discovered the word of God, and that pointed us forward to the word, Jesus, who would come on the scene. We talked about uh, Jesus at his own baptism, being baptized because we needed saved, not because he needed saved. And then last week, we talked about even though Jesus ascended and went to heaven, he left with us the Holy Spirit to help us grow. And today we're going to talk about that lesson that they're going to talk about on Friday of this week, how the Holy Spirit will help us change. Um, And the lesson is this, that you can help others know God. But here's my premise today. My premise is that the best way to help others know who God is, is to change yourself. Because I think if you'll look back on your own journey and you'll think about why you came to faith in Jesus, it was more than likely because somebody in your life was living it. They were an example to you. They had changed themselves. And you looked at them and you thought, it's not so much what they're saying, but man, it's the way they're living. And that, draw you, that drew you to Jesus Christ. And so my premise is, maybe the best way to tell others about Jesus is to let him change us. And that's what Paul will lay out for us in Galatians chapter 5. He gives us a path To change, that we have to walk if we want to change. He gives us the problem that we will surely face along the way. And then he finally gives us a picture of what the end goal might look like, whether we're on the right track or not. We can put this picture up against ourselves and tell if we're making progress. So first, the path, the path. When I was a kid, I had a paper route and it was at the end of Main Street. And to get home, I had to go by the Coinomatic laundromat. Anybody remember? The Coinomatic laundromat. There are three hands. We are all old together. Thank you very much. Uh, I didn't have to go by the Coino, but I did because inside the Coinomatic laundromat was a video game. That's the theme of the week. And this video game was Donkey Kong. And I was a paperboy. And what I had a lot of as a 10-year-old paperboy was quarters. And I would go by this place and this game would call out to me. And I don't know what caused me to do it, but I was wise enough as a 10-year-old to say, you know what? I'm going to stop there every day and I'm just going to play two quarters. That's all I'm going to do. Whatever I can play on two quarters, that's what I'm going to do. So I started playing. And at first, as you can imagine, I didn't play very long, maybe 30 seconds on each quarter, you know, and then I was, I was done. But As the days wore on, I realized that there was a path that led me to success. There was a pattern that I could go to to save the princess. And before long, on just two quarters, I was playing long enough that my parents began to wonder where I was uh, after I broke windows. I mean, through papers. Uh, That's what I was doing. Um, And that's what Paul is giving us here. He's giving us a path. He's giving us a pattern. For you Xbox players, PlayStation fans, it's a cheat code, okay? And this pattern, this path involves two lists. Uh, Paul says the first list is, he calls it the works of the flesh. The second list, he calls the fruit of the spirit. And these two lists are usually framed up as competing against one another. But what I want to see is, I want us to take a look and, and think maybe this is a path. That Paul is taking us on because we all start one way and the goal is to wind up another way. In the beginning, before people are taking prompts from Christ and the Holy Spirit, they're living whatever way they want. And he says, if that is the case and people just live and chase after their heart and just do whatever they want, then there's no way to avoid the things on the first list. But Um, Paul points out the natural outcomes are no surprise their traits in the first list when we live whatever way we want there are 15 words here Um, when you chase whatever you want you get this list there you go. Now, the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, things like these. Leave, leave it on that first slide. That's perfect. And if you, uh, as I rattle those off, here's, here's the easy thing to see, that uh, some of those things are, let's just say they're, they're found in people who don't really care about living for God, okay? That's pretty easy to see but I want you to look a little closer because there are other words on that list that look very familiar. Enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy. Let me ask you, good church people, where are you likely to see some of those in action? Is it not? inside the walls of the church. It is so unfortunate, but we could probably make a compelling case that those things are found more inside the church than even outside the church. And the reason I need to point that out to you is that Paul is not just picking on immoral people who don't know God here. He's picking on religious people because all of us are in the same boat as people far from God. We are all eaten up by spiritual deadness and disease that leads to pain and it ends up destroying us if we don't check it, right? Just because you're a follower of Jesus doesn't mean you get to skip over the first list because there are plenty of words there that will describe you. There are plenty of words there that will describe me. And if it does, then that's your starting place on the path. And the good news is the spirit is now going to help you move away from that. But before we get to that, one more thing. This is the very next thing in that verse. It's the second part of that verse. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things, that first list, will not inherit the kingdom of God. And we get to that phrase and that kind of freaks us out. We get all worked up about it. But I want you to think about it this way. When God comes back at the end of time, and we, he establishes his rule for eternity, and we live with him and his kingdom forever. What about those people who have done nothing in their life but govern themselves? They've fought no battle within. They've just, like we talked about last week, the, the spiritual battle is a fight, right? It's a tension. We've got to to strive to want to have love and joy and peace and patience in our lives? What what if a person has had none of that? They've just done whatever they wanted over what God wanted. They've lived following whatever urges they had at the time. Think about it. When God establishes his rule and reign at the end of the time, will those people fit his space that he wants to create? It would be really surprising if it did right? And this first list isn't the kind of world God is going for, but then the gospel comes into the picture. Then through the gospel, Jesus sacrifices himself. He provides a payment for our sin and all of those sins on the first list. We, because of what he does on the cross, we gain a right standing before God. And it is as if we've never done anything On that first list, even though sometimes that's what our world still looks like. But along with that right standing, when we come to Jesus in baptism, just like Marissa here a few minutes ago, we get the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is God living inside of us. And He's not content to let us operate in such a way as to bring about all of those things on the first list the result is pain and death and he doesn't want any of us of that for us and so god and his son jesus and his holy spirit are interested in remaking us in making us new and different in reshaping us into people that are fit for heaven and his future world and so the holy spirit calls us into new actions into change And when the spirit begins his work in us and we begin to turn more and more of our heart over to him, then fruit begins to appear. That's the way Paul frames up this second list. They are signs of spiritual life. They are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, which is the same as humility, if you're reading a different translation, and self-control. And the difference between the two lists is the same as the difference between uh, a a twig in a pot with a few leaves that's in a little plastic dish, right? And a mature apple tree that is just loaded with fruit. That's the difference between the two lists. And so I want you to see the path that Paul is laying out for us. He says, everybody starts somewhere. Everybody starts where they are their own Lord. They start under the law. They start by saying, God, I'm going to do what I want when I want. But then if Jesus comes into a life, Jesus becomes Lord we're saved by grace through, through faith in baptism for good works. And the Spirit helps me make changes so that I'm no longer my own Lord, so that I'm no longer under the law, but now Jesus is my Lord. And I begin to live more and more in ways that have no law written against them. That's what it says at the end of the, the second list. Against such things, there is no law. Law. So, what's the path? The path is to go from law to no law. From law to no law. The more corners of our heart that we can get through that process, the more mature we are, the closer we are to mirroring God's nature, the more we will line up with the world that God wants to create. And so, the question is where are you on the path? Where are you when it comes to your sexuality? Where are you when it comes to your relationships? Where are you when it comes to the things that you value most in your life? Which list describes you most? Where are you dead and where are you alive? If we claim to be Christians, then we should be more alive than dead. We should look more like the second list than the first. That's the goal and that's what the Spirit wants to help push us into, into life and away from death. The problem is epithumia. That's what he says four times in verse 16, 17, and 24. And basically, epithumia means our over desires. That's the problem. The thing that will prevent us from going from no law, or law to no law, is our over desires. And that's, if you'll think about that, you'll, you'll, you'll see that that's true. We all have things in life that are important to us. They are good things. They are blessings from God. They're gifts from his hand, right? But we make them sometimes overly important. We all want certain things in our life. We all want love. We all want respect. We all want happiness. We all want joy. We all want kids. We all want family. We all, all want food, sex, money, accomplishment, comforts, health, ice cream, right? We all want those things. But what happens when we over-desire those things and we put some of those on a level that they were never intended to be? We make them overly important and we ask them to do for us things that they were never intended to do. We ask them to make us worthy. We ask them to make us beautiful. We ask them to make us honorable of love. And we ask them to, at the end of the day, save us. And they can't do that. There's only one person that can, and that's Jesus. The fruit of the Spirit, in order to get there, in order to get down that path and to skip over this problem of our over-desires, we have to change what we adore. That's the fix. Change what you adore. Change what you do. Verse 24 and 25, Paul says, crucify these over desires, nail them to the cross, give them to Jesus, and then keep in step with the spirit. How do we do that? How do we nail these things to the cross? I think a good way to think about it is just to demote them by realizing how empty they are. That ice cream from Dairy Queen, it's gonna, oh, it's it's beautiful, right? But it's not gonna save you we could do that with anything that we struggle with, anything that we over-desire, anything that we put on a level where we think, oh, if I only had that, then my life would be complete. We have to put that side by side with the cross and we have to ask this. I have a savior who will die for me on the cross. Will this other thing do that? Will it die for me? Will it save me? And that's how we demote those things, demote our over desires. We crucify them and we give them to Jesus on the cross. And then we keep in step with the spirit. You know what? That's that's the spirit's job. He keeps in step with Jesus. He points us to Jesus. He shines a spotlight on Jesus. And he says, just keep looking at Jesus. And when we do this path from under the law to no law, we will be able to navigate it and skip over this problem. And what it involves is a constant evaluation of how to um, elevate Jesus in my life and how to demote and crucify all of those things that I'm loving more than Jesus at the moment that are gonna lead me to the things on the first list. Now, how will I know I'm succeeding? Paul gives us a picture. He gives us a Clooney-esque picture. He says, the word to remember is fruit, is fruit. He calls all of these things that we're trying to strive to, for the fruit of the Spirit. And he says, uh, Paul kind of mixes metaphors here. He says, it's the works of the flesh, but it's the fruit of the Spirit. You would expect him to try to to kind of say it's the weeds of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. But he doesn't do that. And it's because of the, it's it's for this reason. The works of the flesh are what we do. But the fruit of the Spirit is something we can only open ourselves up to. And when we get into talking about fruit, we get to talk about... um, Pick any plant. I referenced an apple tree earlier. You could pick any, about any plant, a tomato plant. And we get to talk about what makes fruit, fruit. And it's the same thing spiritually. Tim Keller in his commentary on Galatians identifies four things about biological growth that are important for us to understand. He says, biological growth is always internal. He says, it's always symmetrical. He says, it's always gradual and it's always inevitable. All of those things typify biological growth. And if they typify biological growth, then they're going to typify spiritual growth because that's the picture that Paul uses. And so everything, it's internal. Everything that you need for all the love and joy and peace and patience that you can stand is already in you because you have the Holy Spirit living in you. And change is symmetrical. It means that if you are weak in one part, then that's your level of maturity because fruit grows together. All of these things that he lists are different aspects of one fruit. It's just one fruit. You'll hear me mistakenly say the fruits of the Spirit. If I do that, just point your finger and say, aha, but it's not, it's the fruit of the spirit. It's singular. And all of these things make up the fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, all of those things. And if we're weak at any one of them, it means that we're weak at all of them. And so the challenging thing here is to pick out the thing that you're worst at and to understand that that's your level of spiritual maturity, but also to understand the spirit is here to help you. The spirit is here to help you grow and produce that fruit that you've always imagined. It's gradual and it's inevitable. We have to keep those two together. Gradual is always what we see in botanical growth. Go outside and look at your lawn, right? You just mowed it. It doesn't need mowed today, but step out three, four days from now, step out a week from now, step out a week and a half from now, what do you see? Growth. You could never really see it happening, but you know it's gonna happen. It's gradual and it's inevitable. It's inevitable. You know, if it takes a while for a fruit thing to do its thing, if you plant a legit vineyard, then it's going to take five years before you even get grapes. Uh, Some will say that it's a couple more for grapes that are actually usable from the vineyard, and then it's about 15 years, 13 to 15 years before that vineyard is in a positive net operating income state. So grapevines take forever, and yet it's only a matter of time, right? Because given the right conditions, everything is already inside the vine to produce all the fruit that is needed. If certain things line up, the plant will respond because it's built into the very fabric Of the vine. And that's how faith is. When the Holy Spirit comes into our lives, there is change and growth and fruit that is implied. Growth is certain and it is inevitable when we have faith in a Savior who used that same kind of faith in God to defeat death. I'm going to call the band up, and there's a story about a man who was buried, and uh, he was buried under a big marble slab. And some, somehow, when that marble slab went down, a little acorn got underneath that marble slab. Now, if you were to put those side by side at the very beginning and say, you know, which one would win? Would the marble slab win or would the little acorn win? We would probably all say, oh, it's the marble slab, Clearly. But here's the power of botanical growth. That little acorn found a little crack in that marble and it began to grow. And over time, that little acorn grew up through that crack and began to split the marble that it was growing through. This is a picture of a grave in England where that actually happened. Um, This is a tree that is so large, it's been growing for 200 years. It's so large that you can't even see the marble slab that was once a part of it. The the, the tree has actually grown through the iron fence that's around this lady's grave. And the point is, if botanical growth is that powerful, what about spiritual growth? What about that seed that is in us called the Holy Spirit? What can it do? given enough time, given enough attention, what kind of change can that make in your life? And what kind of difference can your change make in somebody else's life? That's what God wants to do with you. That's what the Holy Spirit is after. Father, we thank you for the picture of fruit to call us to change. Change is a process, but change means we're growing and that we're full of life. And so would you help us today to look at ourselves and ask, where do I need to change? Would you help us to scan through those lists and say, where am I? In what part of the fruit of the spirit am I weakest? That's probably where I am. That's what I need to work on. Help us to change our desires in light of the cross. Help us to always move towards the life that Jesus has won for us because it's in our own change that others might see their need for Jesus. And so we ask you to change us, God. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. The Holy Spirit is here and he is wanting you to change. Maybe you've never said, I I need to change my life once and for all and I need to accept Jesus into my life uh, because I see other people and I see that, that they're alive. I see that they're free. I see that they've been changed, and I, I want that. Maybe today is your day, like it was for Marissa. Our call to action last week was this, and this is the last thing we're gonna talk about. Last week, we picked uh, something that we were weak at, and we said, cultivate it. We, we picked something that we were strong at on that second list. We said, celebrate it. This week, we're gonna go a step deeper, and we're gonna say to somebody close to us, ask your spouse Ask a good friend, somebody who spends a lot of time with you, and ask them this week Do you see more or less love in my life right now than you did last year? Do you see more or less joy and peace and all of the other fruits in my life right now than you did last year at this point? And if it's yes, then celebrate that. If it's no, then begin to cultivate that. Begin to ask the Holy Spirit who wants you to change. What do I need to do to get to that point and grow this aspect of the fruit of the Spirit in my life? Would you stand and let's sing. This song is all about change and it's we change by turning our eyes on Jesus. Let's sing together.